Welcome to Catholic Moms in the Middle, a podcast for midlife moms who want to live their lives in a way that creates a legacy of faith, hope, and love. In this show, I will equip and encourage you to become the person you were created to be by discovering your identity as a beloved daughter of God. This discovery allows you to live your unique God-given purpose to bring hope, joy, and healing to those around you. My goal is to help you encounter the love of the Father, to find healing and transformation through the Holy Spirit so that you can courageously magnify Christ in your marriage, with your children, in your communities, and with everyone you encounter in your daily life. Hey friends, welcome. I'm Jenny Gwen, and this is Catholic Moms in the Middle. I have another amazing guest to introduce you to this week. My guest is Haley Riney. Welcome, Haley. Thanks, Jenny. It's so good to be with you. Yes, I met Haley just a few months ago, although I feel like I've known her forever. We met at a conference in Nashville and just had an instant connection with our faith through Catholicism and with the Holy Spirit. Haley is doing such amazing things for the Lord right now. She is serving and she is so on fire. So I wanted to invite her on to share a little bit about her story, about how her faith has increased through a divorce, through encountering trials and difficulties, but through those, how she discovered the Holy Spirit. This discovery has set the path for her life. It's it's opened up God's calling on her life. I want to let you know that this is the first of a two-part series. Be sure to come back next week and hear part two where we talk even more about the Holy Spirit. So Haley, tell us a little bit about your journey with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So Gosh, uh, such we all have a story, right? And it's, it's the beauty of how the Lord just, He works when we open our heart up to Him and um, just just shows us this whole new world when we allow His, uh, we, really when we have an encounter with Him and His love, um, it, it, it changes everything. Uh, so I grew up a cradle Catholic. Uh, I was pretty involved in my faith, really, from a young age. And, you know, went to youth group and all that, all that jazz. And, but always kind of felt set to, set apart as a young girl. I remember um, getting kind of emotional during like, you know, watching the the Passion of the Christ and just, you know, things like that, that just really impacted me, but I didn't want to draw attention to myself. I grew up an athlete and so I was really involved in sports, so I didn't do all the church camps and stuff until uh, I was in college. And then I really got more and more into it. But the summer before my senior year of high school, I was 17, and I made a tech retreat, Team Recounter Christ, if you remember that back in the day. And it totally changed my life. And in the sense that I had an encounter with the Lord, I didn't know how to articulate it then. It was the Holy Spirit, but I didn't know the Holy Spirit then. But what changed then is that I really got into the Word of God. And so I developed this passion for the Word at 17 years old, and for the first time, I experienced peace. And again, I would attribute that to the spirit of peace, to the Holy Spirit. Um, But that really set a foundation in my life. So even when I was in college, I played basketball in a small school, and uh, I battled several injuries. I had several knee surgeries. Anyway, 
long story short, finished my basketball career. And then all my injuries led me into the physical therapy um, ministry, I like to say, uh, because, you know, all the injuries I dealt with were really a blessing in disguise leading me into that because PT has become a healing ministry for me. So fast forward, I uh, got through school. The Lord moved me home. I really just got more and more involved in my church, but I met my future husband, whom I always prayed for for um, for years and years. And just to kind of jump to the end where I met the Holy Spirit, my husband left me. And that was, you know, obviously an incredibly painful process. You wouldn't wish it upon anyone. And yet we realize when we get on the other side of our pain and suffering, right, and, and let the Lord into those those deep places of pain, um, he transforms it, right? He brings beauty from ashes, as as the word says in Isaiah 61.3. And so in that healing process, I found the Holy Spirit and I uh, had a baptismal spirit. And I always said there was life, you know, before the divorce and after the divorce, but really it was, it was life before the Holy Spirit and, and after the Holy Spirit. And this was just six years ago. And uh, there's, I have a lot of life scriptures, the word that is, is living and active, right? Hebrews 4, that, that really just, it brings me life. It's revived me even for since I was 17 years old. But now there's some catechism quotes that have become, you know, I've taken to memory. And my favorite catechism quote, and so many people have, said me, have heard me say this, what the Holy Spirit touches, the Holy Spirit transforms. Paragraph wow. 696. And that did it. Like that kind of made, everything made sense to me because it was like, yes, I had this huge transformation that the Holy Spirit, encountering the Holy Spirit, giving me a language and articulating what was happening in my spirit and what's happening now. You know, this massive, beautiful healing journey that was the catalyst for just the Holy Spirit awakening me. If 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 I could summarize it in one thing, he awakened. So when you talked about you encountered God, it sounds like you've had several moments along the way where you encountered God and your eyes have been open. How did you recognize that you encountered God? Yeah, that's a great question. Oh my gosh. And there have been so many moments when I, I've been blasted by him, like, like, seriously knocked on my butt multiple times, like feeling, I remember one time I was in Brazil actually, and feeling like I had, I had been kicked in the stomach with a soccer ball. I flew back several feet. That was a blasting, right? But, but in those early moments, I was so overcome with this deep love of the father, like this tender embrace where I was, I was just, I would just weep. Like I, I would feel his presence in such a magnitude where it was like all of my senses were came alive. I could taste him. I could, I, you know, it was like a thick blanket, like this wraparound presence. Like his love was just enveloping. And and the Holy Spirit, you know, if I could differentiate even from when I was 17 at that moment to more recently, um, it, it, it was like he was... One, at one point I heard his audible voice and I was like, 
wait, what? Like, you know, it's so, it caught me off guard in such magnitude. And then again, in that same moment, feeling this presence, this presence of his love. And then when I actually had, you know, I guess (laughs) another stage of my baptism in the spirit where I received a prayer language, I was again, so overcome with emotion. I was, I was crying one moment and then laughing hysterically, <laughs> like this holy laughter um, that I didn't even recognize what was going on. An encounter can look like a number of things. I think, I think we have these, um, we're conditioned in a sense. We have these learned ideas or this um, systematic, formulaic, whatever technique of thinking, this is what God looks like. This is what he does. He fits in this box, right? Like, absolutely. Yes. And so we, we were, God does whatever he wants. There's a scripture in Psalm 115 says, God does whatever he pleases. So if, if we can just open our heart and our mind to receive however he wants to encounter us, it might look like this tangible wraparound hug and presence of the Lord. It may, it may feel like weeping tears. It may feel like holy laughter, but more than anything, it's an encounter of his love. And with that is truth. And, and the truth of God is how much he loves us, right? And receiving that love. And I think the first step is just being open, you know, being open, being willing to allow the Holy Spirit to to encounter you and for yes, you ma'am. to encounter the Holy Spirit and to be willing to see where that goes. I know listening to you talk, for me, um, I encounter the Holy Spirit a lot of time through tears. Yes. A lot of times yes. through tears. That's that's where it comes, that feeling of being overcome by this yes. sense of love and this sense of peace. And I can feel heat radiating through my yes. body. Um, this past weekend, I was at the International Magnificat Conference, which is a charismatic conference. They were praying over people. And I just remembered as I was being prayed over, I felt like somebody had cranked the heat up in the room. You could feel it radiating off of me. And several of the women said afterwards, they were like, you were so hot. And so it like confirmed to me like this wasn't just something that was in my head. Like that's how the Holy Spirit comes to me. My face was red and I could literally feel the heat. So I think it's important to just be willing and courageous enough to encounter the Holy Spirit, but to also let the Holy Spirit fall upon you. Yes, absolutely. I love, I love that you, you said that because it does require an openness. It requires a, like this growth mindset. And I'm so much about like renewal of the mind and identity work. When, when we open our heart and we open our mind to the possibilities, right? Like if, if nothing is impossible, right. And God can do whatever he please. And, and he's a good father, you know, his Holy spirit tends to the, those places in our heart will be crying out or, you know, it, but it's to have that awareness and increase our sensitivity in silence and solitude of him. I love that you said, even with the heat, I feel when I, when I'm feeling a prophetic word come up, uh, like, you know, when, when we met in Tennessee, I will get so hot and, and 
Joe Moody, she, she was like, you are sweating like profusely. I'm like, I just, I get so hot when I feel this. Right. But one thing that you said too, is with, with that openness, I think when I was in that place of, of such desolation, when I was going through that divorce, right. And I was open to like, praise God. I had uh, this beautiful community of faith at home, my church family, my God family, my, my family, family, my friends that just supported me and, and pointed me to Jesus versus going off the deep end, you know? Right. Um, but it was in this place of desolation, Jeremiah 29, 11, we all know, right. For God, you know, the plans that he has for you, plans for welfare, not for wealth. But it's the verses after that where he said, when you seek me, you will find me. When you seek me with your whole heart. And he, and he finds us. How many times in the word does he, does he tell us, if you call out to me, I will answer you. And the, the Holy Spirit will fall upon you. Proverbs right. 8, 35 says, he who finds me finds life. And the Holy Spirit is life, right? He's, <laughs> he's right. the animated, you know, spirit that, that just brings this dynamic you know, living, powerful being into our presence that, um, yeah, does the impossible and things beyond our wildest imagination. So, yeah. yeah. So when you had your encounter or one of your encounters with the Holy Spirit and you received your heavenly prayer language, or that's also called the gift of tongues, that is not something that is common in most Catholic churches, but yet it is so beautiful but it also scares people. It's also something that, you know, a lot of people are uncertain about. Being at that conference this past weekend, there was lots of praising and singing and, and praying in tongues. I have been around it enough and realized the beauty in it and have received my own heavenly prayer language and see how it elevates my prayer life. But yet, I still understand why some people are uneasy and uncertain about it. Absolutely. Well, and I think that's a really good point, Jenny, because the things that are unknown to us are a little scary. Right. You know, this has been the journey that I've been on the last few years because as I'm a traveling physical therapist and I go where the Lord sends me, and He changes things in an instant. And so it's this, I always think of the scripture in Hebrews, when Abraham went not knowing where he was to go, but by faith, he went, right? But it is this unknown that's like so foreign to us. Like, I don't have a grid for this. I can't make sense of this. And it's scary. Because so then it's like, okay, is this real? Is it not? But when you know the word of God, and he talks, like, like we're not a cessationist church as Catholics, where we believe the gifts have ceased with the Acts of the Apostles. We are the Acts 29 people, right? Like like the church, we are the living church. And so these gifts are still very alive and active. And one thing you said too is when they, when people were praising and worshiping, right? Like this, why did Jesus come? To set us free, right? To save us from ourselves, to set us free, free to do what? To worship him. That is the whole point. And so when we recognize like, and worship looks like many things. The mass is worship, right? It's right. the rosary. Any prayer is worship, but it can also look like singing and dancing and praise and a prayer language. And First Corinthians 14 talks about how, uh, talks mostly about the prophetic, but also about the gift of tongues. 
that the gift of tongues actually edifies a person because we pray in the spirit, not knowing necessarily what we are praying, but it is like this, um, this elevation of our own spirit, connecting with, with the Holy Spirit in the gift that he's given us for the edification of, I don't know what, what needs to be prayed, but I am going to glorify you and praise you in this gift that you've given me. And all the other gifts, like the prophetic, is for the building, uh, building and, and encouragement of the church, right? So, but worship, I think we forget so much about the power of worship. And again, if we knew the word and our salvation story, so many times in the Old Testament, when the people praised, they had victory, right? Right. It, it, it first, I think it's a uh, Second uh, Chronicles twenty. Jehoshaphat. He said, "I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you." And they worship him, and they won this massive battle. And those things happen over and over again. But if we realize worship, praise, it is the only thing we will do for all of eternity. Right. The only thing, right? Because once we once we reach that beatific vision, then all like, we're all we're going to care about is worshiping and praising the King of Kings, the God, our Creator. And so, worship isn't just something we do with our lips, but something we do with our whole life. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's easy to fall into I don't know if I would call it a rut but a routine it's easy to follow mm, fall yes. into a routine of going to mass and the mass is very holy the Eucharist as we know is the source and summit of our faith and so it's be easy to go to mass and and forget that there are other ways to worship outside the mass there are certain things that are appropriate during mass but then if we only worship during mass and we don't let it carry over into the rest of our lives, then we're missing out That's on right. the fullness of faith. And so these other gifts, the gift of tongues, um, prophetic words, words of wisdom, all of those are gifts from the Holy Spirit that mm -hmm. can enhance our life, that can help us encounter Christ in a more profound level so that we can be transformed by his healing love with the ultimate goal of going out and magnifying Christ in our little corner of the world, whatever that looks like. Amen. Amen. That's exactly right. There's so, so many things. I get so passionate talking about, about the Spirit and just just faith because it is, it is a gift, right? It's all grace. Um, as St. Therese says, right, everything's grace. And Paul talks about this. First Corinthians four seven another one like what have you been given that grace has not given you nothing right it it is this gift of grace but you're exactly right so many of of the gifts it is for the upbuilding of the church for the encouragement of the church if there's one thing the enemy wants to do it's to condemn us and discourage us right to 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 uh, belittle us to to that we can enter into rejection, fear of rejection, you know, fear of man, all the things, but it's essentially a place of fear and condemnation to make us think that we're unworthy and not, that we're not of value or not loved, all the lies. I think that's a lie that's easy to believe when it comes to the prophetic gifts because yes. they aren't so common that it's easy to believe, well, 
I'm not holy enough to have those gifts or even to maybe judge people who move in those gifts to doubt that are they real? And so that's one thing that I've taken away. I call it my journey of uh, divine discovery is really my eyes opened to see these supernatural gifts and how they do build others up and how they that's right courage and they edify and how they are needed in our church today more than they ever have been before that's exactly right that that's exactly right and so a couple things uh could go in a bunch of different directions right now but you know the gifts again this is all scriptural in first corinthians 12 it talks about the gifts of the spirit and then in first corinthians 13 that we all know and love so well in every wedding (laughs) we typically hear it right like love is the most powerful force in the world in the kingdom of god and then on the other end of that first corinthians 14 it talks about the gifts of prophecy and tongues and so starting out that scripture make love your aim right If, if the whole goal of this life is to become like jesus to love like Jesus, to will the good of another, to get over ourselves, <laughs> to take up our cross, right? All the things, but to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And again, all of this is for the upbuilding of the family of God, the church, where we could shift from being a church people, yes and amen to the mass and the richness and beauty of our Catholic faith, but shift from being a church people to a kingdom people. My passion when I speak and and, and talk and, and share my, my faith is that we train up an army of people, of men and women, who don't just sit in the church and sit in the pews, but go and do the things that, that Jesus said to do, right? Like that, that is, is what Satan fears more than anything for this army to rise up. Because if we're all working as a family, not in competition, not in jealousy, not comparison, not in the orphan mindset, right? But secure in our identity of who God the Father is and who he is, then Satan Satan knows that we'll overthrow him because right. we have the truth. And so it's it, it, even JP2, I love this quote that he says, am I helping the church be renewed and restored or am I helping the kingdom of Jesus and helping the kingdom of God where it's not just some church bureaucracy bureaucracy, but am I about the work of God in the world? His kingdom, the kingdom of God is at hand, right? It's not about a church bureaucracy. JP two says this, right? It's one of our, like the popes would so much wisdom and a spirit filled Pope. So it's, it's empowering for the church. And I think when the church steps up into this role, into this responsibility of operating in the gifts of the spirit and encouraging one another where it doesn't have to be weird. Again, you know, you don't, the Holy spirit is not weird. Uh, you don't have to make him weird. He is a living, the living spirit, the, the spirit of the living God, right? Haley, that is so powerful. I am so excited to have you here on the show to share your story, your journey, and how the Holy Spirit has worked in and through you. 
And as we wrap up today, I just want to remind the listeners that this is the first of a two-part series. So be sure to come back next week and listen to part two. In part two, we're going to talk about the gift of prophecy and how the gift of prophecy can build up and encourage our family, our friends, our community. The world needs some hope and encouragement. Actually, the gift of prophecy is what we need in the church right now. So Haley, thank you again for being here. Absolutely. It's been an honor. Let's end with prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come together, the opportunity to learn more about your great love and how much you love each and every one of us. When we walk in your kingdom, when we live our faith, when we get to know you in a deep and intimate way, our lives can be so vivid and colorful. And Lord, I just ask that you bless every person who is listening to this show, that Lord, you see what they need in their hearts. You see the places that need healing. You see the areas that they are holding on to. They need to release into your loving embrace that they need to allow you to heal and restore. And Lord, none of those places are too broken, are too messed up that you cannot heal. And so, Lord, we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives. We invite the Holy Spirit to help us to encounter you on a deeper level. Come, Holy Spirit, show us how we can live our lives in a way that magnifies God's great love, in a way that magnifies the promises of Christ. So come, Holy Spirit, fill us from the top of our head to the bottom of our toes, and let us go out and be a light of Christ in the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All right, friends, until we meet again next week, go out and magnify Christ in your little corner of the world. God bless. To learn more about my ministry for midlife women, go to catholicmomsinthemiddle.com and be sure to check out Magnify, my online community for women where you will grow deeper in your faith. You'll find inner healing in areas where you have struggled for years and you'll be equipped and encouraged to become the person God has called you to be so that you can go out and magnify Christ in the world. The music for this podcast was written by Sean Williams, Catholic composer and musician. You'll find more of Sean's original music at musicbyseanwilliams.com. That is music by S-H-A-N.